Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Mark Terrell. Mark is the owner of First Class Coaching Solutions and the founder of the Reluctant Leader Academy. After running a successful family business for over 25 years, Mark now helps owner-managed and family businesses make the most of their strengths through greater understanding and cooperation. Mark is also an avid blogger and podcaster. That is how we met, and he hosts the Reluctant Leader Podcast. Mark, welcome to the Success Insight Podcast. Hello, Howard. Thank you for that lovely intro. Very nice. Thank you. My pleasure, and I do believe you are my first podcast guest who is actually a fellow podcaster. So that's pretty exciting. So I'm probably going to ask you for some feedback after everything is said and done and you're fully published. No pressures here. Mark, what an interesting background. Now, you you were a business owner, a family business for over 25 years. So take us in the time we have together through this journey from business owner now to coach, consultant, podcaster. My story is that when I was due to leave school, about a year or so before that, my, my father had started a retail business, a convenience store business. And I was in a bit of a dilemma at the time. I, I could either stay on at school and do what was the A-levels at the time, or I could join the family business. And my dad, being quite persuasive, persuaded me that the best thing to do was to leave school and join the family business. <laughs> that uh, sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was sort of dragged kicking and screaming into the family business, which was quite a, a new business, but it was fast growing and it was quite exciting when I joined it. And, and I had been working in it during school holidays and things like that. So I knew what I was getting into. So yes, I, so I joined that family business and over time I took on more responsibility, which is typically what happens, obviously, to a point where ultimately I, I became the leader of the business when my, my dad moved to run a video rental business, which you believe uh, at the time, which obviously isn't really about anymore. But at the time, that was growing very, very fast. So he spent all his time doing that, left me to run the retail business. I really didn't have any real training. And that's where the reluctant leader sort of concept came from. When I when that business was ultimately sold, I didn't know quite what I was going to do because the, the business wasn't really for sale, but we had an offer from a, a retail business that wanted to buy the shop that I was running at the time. So I had to find something to do. So I, I, I sort of found my way into firstly doing general consultancy coaching. Then I sort of did more around family businesses because that was a bit around my my background, obviously. And then the reluctant leader thing came about when, which is one day I was talking to a guy that we I do a lot of like graphics work with, and the concept sort of came into our conversation about the reluctant leader thing. And he said, "Well, why don't we just develop that?" And the first thing we decided to do was actually a podcast. That was a quick, obviously, a, a shortened version of basically how I ended up here today. Very good. Well, we're going to circle back a couple times to some of the points that you made. So in the family business and the retail and being somewhat of a reluctant leader, how did you grow as a leader while you were there? Was it through just osmosis? Was it the mentoring of your father, some other employee, or just kind of self-learning? How did that develop? 
I learned a little bit from my dad, obviously from his his way of leading the business. And um, but I'm very different to my dad. He's very more extroverted. I'm quite an introverted person, and so it's, it's difficult to actually replicate someone that is is different from you. But as far as skills go, he was my mentor. I suppose you could say initially learned a lot from my dad. But as he became busier, I, I really had to sort of farm, find my own way, which is again typical of what happens, and, and work out which is my style. And when you're working out your own style, sometimes without really anybody sort of giving you any feedback, it's it feels a bit uncomfortable. I don't know whether in the US you have the same concept, but we talk about winging it, which is basically just on the seat of your pants sort of job and getting some success, but maybe doing better if you if you really knew exactly what you should be doing as a, as opposed to just trying your best as such. When I was in the commercial or the job world, when we, when I had a job, I would take during the occasional training programs the the Myers Briggs, the MBTI. Uh, there was another tool called Social Styles, and there's probably a couple other personality instruments. And I remember those instruments were very insightful. It's like, oh wow, that so that's me. And the the issue looking back is those were merely just training programs which stated, here's who you are. These are some things you ought to know. This is some of your challenges you're having. But then no real coaching went in to help you understand, well, if I'm an introvert, and by the way, I'm a, I'm very much an introvert. This podcasting is probably a the, the exact opposite. You know, here you and I are both introverts and we're running podcasts. How, how cool is that? And it wasn't until I got into coaching that I realized a lot of the problems I would have as a team player, because I was never really a manager or a supervisor or a leader per se, but I was a team player. But all the issues that I had, I always thought, well, they keep, re- why are these always repeating? Why is the same issue repeating? time after time. And, and then it wasn't until I got into coaching, I realized I'm the problem. I'm wanting everybody to be like me rather than trying to understand the other person and how do we communicate, share, and then adapt. And so I think it's interesting as you were, you got a lot of your, your guidance, your mentoring from your dad, you, but you had a different personality style. And then learning about that, when did the this inclination and again, this reluctant leader and desire to go into coaching, consulting, how did you, how did that evolve for you? That's a good question, actually. What happened was that going through selling the business, I realized that I was well out of my comfort zone. And you know why sometimes things just happen out of the blue and you think, actually, this is probably meant to happen. I I went to a meetup event. Now, I know meetups are, you know, worldwide and they started, I know as a in, in actually in New York, didn't they? Um, and there was four coaches there. And one of them that s- stood out for me was somebody that had n- not that long ago sold a business. So straight away, I thought, well, she's going to empathize with what I'm going through. And why I, I, I organized a one-to-one with her and lo and behold, started working with her during that transition from being a business owner to what's next. And uh, she was very helpful and it was a great time. And she, I, I sort of leaned on her a lot. But when it came to the end of that relationship, when the business was being sold and what, what I was going to do next, she was the one that suggested that, actually, Mark, why don't you do what I do? And I said, well, what do you mean? What about, well, how can I do what you do? 
He said, well, you've got all this experience and all you've got to do is just find your audience and, and find the sort of people that you want to work with because you've got all this experience. And I know the sort of person you are. I think you'd be a great coach. Before then, I didn't really think about it, to be honest. And when she said it, I start, obviously gets, gets you thinking. And the question mark then is, okay, so who can I help? And then I made the classic mistake of just calling myself a consultant. And what does that mean to anybody? And then I refined what I did. As I mentioned earlier, I became a family business coach. And then ultimately now I do more leadership work around the reluctant leader concept. Um, so, so that's how I got into coaching was because I was sort of nudged into it by somebody that saw some potential, I guess. It's funny. You and I have different yet some very similar paths. I was getting some acupuncture treatments and they also had massage therapy uh, at an office. I was, I was using my my healthcare benefits. We have to pay for our healthcare here, but the, and that's the problem. But I did. <laughs> but I, we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish we had your system, but that's a, let's not get into that. But I remember I came out of the sessions, and I was always curious because there were stairs going up to the second floor of this three, four story building, and it was kind of a light industrial area. And I walked up, and there was a chiropractor there, and she wasn't busy at all. And I had just walked in. I said, you know, I've noticed the stairs up here. I was just kind of curious what was here and then saw what you do. So we just started talking and she was actually just asking me questions. Well, what do you do? And I always tell people I was an IT business consultant. I now tell people I'm a recovering IT business consultant. And she was the one that introduced me to coaching. You know, you should, based on what you do, what you're interested in, you should look at coaching because I had want, been wanting to go back to school because I didn't see myself as an IT consultant. And somehow she had a book on her desk. It was a PDF book from here in the States. We have an organization called Coach You. And they had a, a this PDF you could download for a couple dollars. And, and all of a sudden, this the light bulbs went, were going pop, pop, pop. And I'm thinking, that's what I need to look into. And, and so that this journey into coaching, I mean, there's these epiphanies, that, these moments of insight that happen. And it's like, wow, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't I think about that? And could have been we, were, we had this in front of us, but these chance conversations, this chance meeting with one of these coaches at the meetup group, it's amazing how that that little encounter then takes us on a whole different path that we had not expected. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the important thing is to actually to notice and then take action around it, isn't it? You've got to be aware of these things. Yeah. Yes, and I think we we have to put our telephones down. We have to be in the moment, observant, listening, so that we are open to taking advantage when those things happen because sometimes they're so quick they're the opportunity just passes us by because we're not paying attention. When you then went down this journey, had you thought about leveraging this this experience that you have had over the 20-some years in the family business that you know right away, this is your ideal client? Or was that a little bit of a trial, just time and successor versus non-success? Uh, again, it's going back to that being observant as to what's happening and, and what's going on around you. And initially, I, I looked at the, the, the types of clients that I was attracting, and there was a, a family business sort of connection there. Uh, and that sort of confirmed my my thinking. But then what I, I started to think about, actually, is is it actually really what 
what I want to do? Is it really I want to work with family businesses? Or is there, is there a particular issue or a problem within that scenario where I really want to sort of focus on? And that's that's really where the reluctant leader came. As family businesses are concerned, most people are promoted because they're a family member uh, and not necessarily because they want to be promoted, not necessarily because they're good at particularly people management or anything like that. It's just that they're next in line. It's almost, it's almost like a, you know, like the Royal family, you're next in line. You've got to take charge now sort of scenario. So I, I still feel for those sort of people, but obviously that, that doesn't just happen in family businesses. That happens in all sorts of businesses where the best salesman becomes the sales manager. And then, you know, ultimately they're not selling. They're actually, they're developing a, a group of people to sell. And that's a completely different scenario. And so often it's where people come unstuck. I think that story is all too common, is we enjoy what we're doing, but there's this expectation. I, I know it exists here in the U.S., and I, I, it sounds like perhaps it exists in the U.K. and elsewhere, is in order to demonstrate your devotion is not the, not the right word, but to demonstrate you're embracing the company's culture, the who they are, what they do, the opportunities that you're being afforded by being employed by them, that you're going to be willing to take on new opportunities as they arise and as you are requested. I used to work for an IT organization here in the U.S. They're no longer here. It was called EDS, Electronic Data Systems. Very military-oriented. Many of their senior leaders came from military, and it was essentially... When they ask you to jump, you didn't ask why. You just said, how high and where do you want me to jump? And so you, you basically did what you were told or else you were out of a job. And I hear today with these, uh, with employees is that, or staff that they are perhaps asked to do something and they're just not, they're afraid to say no, for one thing, which I can, I get that, but they're not really prepared and the organization themselves has not prepared this individual to take on this new role and this new level of responsibility. And are you getting your clients because the it's the employee, the, the staff member, a prof, this professional realizes they're ill-equipped to take on this new level of responsibility? Or is it the company that's saying we want John or Jane to take on this new responsibility. We want them. We we'll want them to make sure that they are prepared for it. Mark, can you help them, or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, it is a bit of both. I do work with business owners that have grown their business to a point where they are more. They need leadership skills to keep the business growing because they're no longer the technical expert within the business. They have other people that are technical experts, and hopefully they have re realised that, and then they, they need to understand the principles behind leading a team. And I teach three principles. Firstly, the mindset, and that is the mindset I teach is the high-challenge, high-support model, which we are either overly, overly supportive or overly challenging, so you've, you've, you've just described there an over-challenging leader there that doesn't seem to be an awful lot of support. What we need to remember is that we need to be supportive and, and challenging in equal measures. That's the sweet spot, but it's not easy. So firstly, that's the mindset bit. Then I'll talk about the process, which is a four-step process and understanding the vision, mobilizing the vision, developing that vision, and ultimately enabling that vision to, to grow and, and that's and there's different skills at each point in that process. 
once you break it down into a process, it's that that's the light bulb moment. Suddenly realize that actually leadership is about a process, understanding that you just follow a process. And when things start going wrong, it's because you've jumped into the next part of the process too soon. And you need to think, right, okay, I'll just step back into the previous process and do the skills at that point, make sure that's right again before we put, it's like a four, almost four gears. You go from one gear, to first, second, third, and fourth gear. If you go from first gear to fourth gear, that's what obviously causes a lots of problems because you get to straight to that point where you're delegating too soon and all those sort of things that come from it because you haven't clearly got things moving, the, the vision isn't clearly set out and all those sort of things that happen. So, yeah, so the, going back to the sort of people I work with, so there's business owners and then there's our people that have been promoted into maybe a leadership position, into a senior management role who need to know how to lead. They need to how to get their vision out. They need to make sure that they are catching people doing things right and doing those things that actually make people actually come on board. Because ultimately what we're talking about leadership is about getting people to follow you. Management is about pushing people into something that they don't particularly want. But leadership is bringing people on and encouraging them and, and developing them and getting them to come and want to come with you. That's the mentality, isn't it? You want them to follow you. That's a, that's leadership, in a, in, a, in a nutshell. And if they're not following you, there's something gone wrong. That's very true. Now, in your work, are there tools that are a part of your go-to or your your coach's toolbox that aid you in in, in helping your clients? Yeah, well, so you mentioned psychometrics. What well, I, I do use a bit of psychometrics and on the behavioural styles side of things. But what I use predominantly is a product called Motivational Maps, which identifies and measures motivation. And the reason why that is so pivotal in what I do is because at least 50%, if not more, of leadership is about motivation. So firstly, if you think about motivation as as far as the leader, leader goes, they need to understand what motivates them. Within the Motivation Maps, there's four different types of motivation. We're all a combination of all nine. But knowing which ones are most important to you is, is the key. And if you find that as a leader, you the thing you least want to do is actually manage people, that is ultimately is going to catch up with you and it's going to cause you a problem. And also, what tends to happen is you when you start doing things that don't motivate you, you also miss out on the things that do motivate you. So it's like a double-edged sword thing. And ultimately, you become demotivated, unproductive, basically in a good place. And what that does is that you you become the least motivated person in the team. And how are you ever going to lead a team when you're the least motivated person? So that's ultimately the, the first place to start. That's where I always start is that what motivates you? How are you feeling motivational-wise? And the motivation maps gives me that information and I can use that as a, in a coaching and mentoring part at the beginning. And then when we start looking at the team, then we do the same exercise with the team members. Find out what motivates them then use that information so that we basically use it in reverse to the carrot and stick thing. So we find out what they want. First of all, what is it that we need to give each team member to get them to perform at their best? And it's obviously more than about money. It's about making a difference. It's about giving them some sort of autonomy, giving them some creativity and all those sort of things that are important to different people, finding out which ones of those motivations are important to individuals and give them as much as you can around those motivations so that they're getting plenty of that. So they're going to be performing at the best and feeling good. And they're more likely then to give back to you 
as the leader of that group, what you want. So the, the principle works each time. Sounds like a fascinating tool, one that I would, as a uh, scholar practitioner, I, it, it's one that I would definitely like to learn a little bit more about. And so perhaps we can uh, have that conversation as well. And most certainly, if anybody on our team or within the listening community for this podcast, if you're interested in the Motivational Maps tool, we'll provide links back to Mark so you can query him. And I'm sure he will be very happy to introduce you to it. So, Mark, you and I met, as I alluded, way in the beginning of this podcast is through this website, Spot-A-Guest, where we are both podcasters. And I am really curious how you embarked on this journey of becoming a podcaster. Right. Well, interestingly, I was just talking about motivation. And one of my key, well, my top motivator is what we call the creator motivator. So I am motivated to innovate and bring new things in. So first of all, a podcast sort of ticks that box for me. Okay, it's not like groundbreaking, but for me, it was something new I've never done before. I could see the potential in it. And also, it helps to get a message out there. So it's, it's a, obviously a marketing tool as well, and which is uh, something that I needed. So that was something that the idea came about. And straight away, it, it sort of pricked my interest because it's in line with my motivators. Being creative, one of the other motivations that are strong is the expert motivator. So my podcast is guest-based like yours. So I invite people that have a, an expertise and interview them. What kind of expertise? Anything really that is that can help a leader in, in their leadership position. So it goes from uh, physical fitness, mental fitness, practical stuff about how you get things done, all those sort of things. They've got 48 different topics. So we talk about a topic each episode. So also, with respect to that high expert that I am, I know that I'm going to learn stuff, which again is a key motivator for me. And also, I'm going to share knowledge to my audience. So I'm teaching in, in respect that I'm I'm getting information out to someone that knows their stuff. So again, that motivates me to do it. So I'm going to, the key message is here is that if you do something that motivates you, you'll carry on doing it. And so that's why I carried on doing my podcast. If someone had told me that I had to write a blog every week, then I probably wouldn't have done that because I'm not. It, it's not quite so creative. It's not quite the same thing. So it's finding something that really motivates you and you're more likely to do it. So, Mark, I have to ask you this question. Do you drink? No, not really. I, I, socially, drink. I, I drink. Do you go down? Is, I mean, I remember in the UK, there was the local pubs. Yeah. You know, every quote. Do you go down to a pub or anything like that? To the, uh, yeah, now and again, now and again. They are, unfortunately, they seem to be closing quite rapidly because people are doing less of that. But so, yes, there's still plenty of pubs in, in, in most towns and villages. Okay. So here's an idea. I have a, a drink, whatever this adult beverage is, in, the, in, in Bristol or Bath, wherever it is in the UK, because I'm going to get back there. And I will almost guess, bet that I probably share three, if not four, of the motivators <laughs> yeah, yeah. that you have. I, 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 I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you do, actually. And then the funny thing is, Howard, is that I attract the, the clients that have the motivations are quite close to mine as well. It's a weird thing because they obviously do a motivational map and I look at, and, and, and it's weird how we, we attract like people. And that's when we first, we had a 
pre sort of quick Zoom call mm-hmm. before we'd we'd lined this up. And quickly we we were on the same wavelength, weren't we? We were talking the same language. So it's a key thing and understanding others and connecting is is absolutely I, I would not I wouldn't take that bet because I know that it's how that leaves. Okay, so we'll we'll just go to the local pub and have a <laughs> have a nice adult beverage. Uh, yeah. What has been your lesson learned or insight from Number one, embarking down this journey of going from business owner into coaching and running the Reluctant Leader Academy, which we haven't yet chatted about, but what that lesson there, and also what's the lesson learned for you being a podcast host and being responsible for enrolling people into your podcast as a guest to producing it, to sharing it? What's been the lesson learned for you in both of those areas? Uh, so the first one is the difference. I suppose it's the difference between a coach and actually running a business. Obviously, it's useful of having run a business, and obviously, there's a lot of value there, and I can empathise a lot with what my clients are going through in, in many respects. But also, it gives you that privileged position of actually being a sounding board and realising that these people are they're trying their best. I'm not there to judge them. I'm giving them as much as, you know, coaches aren't really given advice as such, but I, I'm guiding them and mentoring them at different times because I know they want to do the best. If there's the biggest lesson I learned from what, what I was doing when I was running my business, the, the thing that I should have done far more was to reach out to others. I should have networked and in all sort of respect, just to meet people that could help me or I could help them on all those things. I think networking is a key skill that I do lots of now that I didn't do any of in my retail business. And that's something that I know would have been such a big benefit. So I encourage, you know, I obviously teach those skills I mentioned, but also I encourage all the people I I coach is to get out, meet people, learn from people and never stop learning. And you never know who you're going to meet when you're networking. You never know who you'll meet. It's like, you don't know what's on offer until you meet some, somebody that's offering something that you want. Sometimes you, you bury your head in the sand and then you suddenly meet someone that actually has got the, the answer to your, your, your problem. So Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's the biggest learning with respect from running a business to being a coach, I think. And then the other one was around... The, the, the podcasting. Podcasting. So what have I learned? Well, I learn, as I mentioned, something from all my guests. I think that that's, that's a great thing, and I get some great feedback. And whenever, again, I use it with my clients, if there's an issue that comes up that I don't really coach, I point them to one of my podcast episodes to say, listen to that. And it also, what it's done is given me a stronger connection to those people that most of the people that I've been on my podcast are already in my network. But they given it's given me a closer connection to them. You know, certain things have come out that would never have happened if they hadn't come on the podcast just from a conversation or whatever it was. So it just opens up and those opportunities you don't really think about. It's, it's a difficult one to put your actual finger on, but I, I, it's something that I enjoy doing. It's something that people appreciate and I get some great feedback from you just want to develop the idea and just keep moving it forward to the next level which I don't know what that is yet but my series five is is in the planning stage and we'll see what happens then sounds fantastic to me and now I am curious to see you're going into series five so is each series like 10 or 12 podcasts what is yes they're 12 okay 12 
12 at a time. Okay. I do it like that. One of the top tips I got from a podcaster that had been doing it for a few years and had 40 odd in, in the bank. And he said, Mark, give yourself a break by not committing to every week. He said, do it either in like a series format or something. I said, okay, I'll take that on board. And so that's what I did. So the first form, the first series was 12 and I've just stuck to 12 each time now. So I just feel, you know, um, I've got a Trello board and I just book them in and then set the dates and use it that way. And then I sort of control it from there. And once they're done, I think to myself, right, well, okay, well, what do I want to do the next series? So the one and two were very similar. And then I moved on three and four were slightly sort of tweaked, um, slightly different, a bit more focused. Okay. So that's why I'm sort of saying about what, what tweak I'm going to make for series five. I'm not sure yet, but I'm sure I'll do something. Well, fantastic. And we'll definitely provide the, the link back to the Reluctant Leader podcast, either on your website or on uh, YouTube. And, you know, Mark, I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. It's probably mid-afternoon in, in the UK, and it's been a pleasure to get to know you, learn more about you and your work and the podcast. And before we leave, is there a an insight, and my one of my partners likes to call it an insight to go, before we leave, is there an insight to go, a piece of advice, perhaps there's a book, a quote that kind of encapsulates who you are, res- totally resonates for you. And I just want to share this to the four corners of the earth. Anything come to mind? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I think um, I'm going to stick with the, the sort of the motivational thing. I think if you understand what motivates you and, you mo- and, and what motivates you that works, it, it does make a massive difference in the, the way that you can actually work together. And you know, I, I met someone once. I didn't get to work with her, sadly, but she did a motivational map. And she said, do you know what, Mark? I wish I'd met you before I started my partnership about five years ago. She said, I'd have known then why I shouldn't have gone into a partnership with this person. So there are ways of just sussing, not sussing people out, but understanding, are we actually going to gel? And also with respect to your relationships, even your home relationships, we clearly are all different. And if you understand different motivations, you can help one another better. So I, I think that's, that's my message in, in most instances is to understand people better, even on a motivational level or on a psychometric level, which we also covered earlier. Fantastic. And thank you for that insight to go. Mark, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work and the motivational maps tool, where's the best places for them to go? The best place to go now is the reluctantleader.academy, which is fairly new on this, well, the dates that we're, we're recording this in January 2020, but that's due to be developed more in the in the coming months. At the moment, there's just one, uh, there's some information on that, and there's one mini course, which is the How to Stay Energized at Work mini course, and you'll find that there. So I just want to give an offer to the, your listeners, if, if you're interested, that mini course actually includes a motivational map. It's priced at £99, but if you use the code FRIENDS, which is obviously FRIENDS, then you'll get that at half price. Um, so you'll instead of paying £99, you'll pay £49, which I don't know in dollars what that is, but um, obviously that brings it down well below 100 We'll figure uh, it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, whatever time, whatever the exchange rate at the time is. So that's the best place to find me because that's what's going to be developed and hopefully... There'll be lots of information there in the coming months that would be useful for anybody in a leadership position. Sounds good. And we'll also include links to the reluctantleader.academy, your LinkedIn profile as well. YouTube, if you're on Facebook, if you have a, a business Facebook page, we'll certainly 
provide a link there as well. But uh, Mark, thank you so much for, again, for taking time out of your day. I'm so glad we realized, hey, we're both coaches, we're podcasters, let's have a conversation. So I, I want to thank you for that. And as a fellow introvert, I, I think we've done pretty well for ourselves. And this has been, this conversation, I think has been indicative of what we're passionate about and what we are hoping to bring to the people we meet. And hopefully we're, we're constantly, as you said, creative, we want to be experts, continue to learn and to share. And that's what, that's what this is all about. Thank you, Howard. It's been a great pleasure. And I, I look forward to sharing that beer with you when you're in the UK next. You've got it. You've got it. Okay, folks, we have been chatting with Mark Terrell. He is the owner of the First Class Coaching Solutions and the founder of the Reluctant Leader Academy. Do check him out on his website, thereluctantleader.academy, and we'll also provide the links back to his podcast as well, The Reluctant Leader Podcast, and also do take advantage of his special offer for his short course and the Motivational Maps tool. As a coach, consultant, mentor, recovering IT business consultant, I have to tell you this conversation was resonated for me on multiple levels and it's it's always a great time to to talk with and chat with you know someone who's deeply passionate about making a difference in the world so we hope you enjoyed this conversation as well and do check us out on the successinsightpodcast.com or on Facebook LinkedIn Twitter and the successinsightpodcast.com webpage as well. Let us know what you think of this episode and any other episode as well. And do follow us there too. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.